Loving Father in heaven, glory, praise, honor, and adoration be unto your holy name for giving us the blessing of life. We pray that our ears will also be blessed as we hear your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit shall impress the truths we will hear on our heart. Lord, put your words in my mouth that it may soften and subdue our hard hearts, that we may become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, February 9. An attribute we may share. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Luke chapter 6 verse 36. Mercy is an attribute that the human agent may share with God, thus cooperating with him. Mercy is kind, pitiful. Mercy and the love of God purify the soul and beautify the heart, cleansing the life from selfishness. God's love to the angelic host is as a part of himself, direct and positive in its divinity. God's love for the human race is a peculiar form, a love born of mercy, for the human subject is all undeserving. Mercy implies the imperfection of the object upon which it is bestowed. Because of man's imperfection, mercy was brought into active existence. Sin is not the object of God's love, but of his hatred, yet he pities the sinner. Because the guilty one bears the Creator's image and has received from him the capabilities that make it possible for him to become a son of God, not through his own merits, but through the imputed merits of Jesus Christ, through the great sacrifice the Savior has made in his behalf. In the church militant, the children of men will be ever in need of restoration from the results of sin. We are all dependent on one another. Almost invariably, a man who is superior to another man in some respect is inferior to him in other respects. Every human being on earth is subject to temptation, and all are in need of human influence and sympathy. He who cooperates with God by showing mercy brings himself into a position where God will extend mercy to him, for he is in harmony with the divine attributes. God's love and mercy are ever extended towards sinners. Shall men who themselves have sinned against God refuse to forgive and accept a repentant sinner? God loved us while we were yet sinners. How clear and unmistakable the line of duty is made by the words, As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Luke chapter 6 verse 31 Only those who walk with Christ can be truly merciful. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is An Attribute We May Share. My heart is really touched with this devotion because 
There are many thoughts going through my mind concerning this matter, concerning mercy. Today, as we examine the character of Jesus with the intent that we may know him excellently, we will look at this attribute of God, very beautiful one, the attribute of mercy, an attribute that should be common to all of us. And it's just similar to what we looked at yesterday, which is compassion. It's also something that should be common to all of us. Today, we will look at mercy as one attribute which every single human being should be able to relate with. Like we saw in our devotion, that I may know him, page 46, paragraph 2. Mercy is an attribute that the human agent may share with God, thus cooperating with him. When God appeared to Moses to reveal himself to him, the following words were spoken in Exodus 34, verse 5 to 7. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Amen. The first lesson we need to get is that to know God is not about knowing what he looks like physically, but to understand his character and reflect that character. As we see God's character here in Exodus 34 verse 5 to 7, we see the first thing mentioned about him is merciful. That's the first thing. And it's mentioned again in in verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands. What is the meaning of mercy? For me, I would say the principle of mercy, not just the meaning, but the principle of mercy is contained in no words better than that which our Lord Jesus himself said. In the book of Luke chapter 6 from verse 27 down to 36, we see what I would understand as the principle of mercy. Jesus speaking said, But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other as well. And from the person who takes away your coat, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you and do not ask for your possessions back from the person who takes them away. Treat others in the same way that you would want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to be repaid, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners so that they may be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and evil people. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Amen. So in Luke 6 verse 36, Jesus concludes all that he has described concerning loving your enemies, doing good to them, they'll hate you. If you go to the book of Matthew 6, it talks about blessing those who curse you, praying for those who despitefully use you, greeting everyone, not just your friends. Also, when people want to oppress you, don't fight them back. That's basically the principle that he's giving here. And he says that you should uh, lend to people expecting nothing in return. If people will not want to give you, don't fight them. That's basically what he's saying. 
And then he concludes and says, be merciful. In other words, all these things he's saying, that is mercy. So let us analyze the above teaching of Jesus to understand the meaning of mercy. You see, mercy is a character of God that was called out on account of our sins. I say this quite um, sometimes that we will never have known this character called mercy except there was a sinner. Sin is what brought about mercy. That we read in the devotion, page 46, paragraph 3, it says, God's love for the human race is a peculiar form, a love born of mercy, for the human subject is all undeserving. So, mercy is an expression of love shown to those who have erred, regardless of their realizing their error or not. Forgiveness, mercy, and restoration, those three things, they are different. Mercy being the chief of them all. Those I mentioned them again. Forgiveness, mercy, restoration. They are three different things. Matthew 6 verse 14 to 15, Jesus said, If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So what does that tell us? Forgiveness has conditions. But mercy does not have conditions. I read in our devotion, page 238, paragraph 2, that I may know him, page 238, paragraph 2, it says, all are fallible, all make mistakes, and all fall into sin. But if the wrongdoer is willing to see his errors as they are made plain by the convicting spirit of God and in humility of heart will confess them, then he may be restored. So I was talking of forgiveness and restoration. You see that there is a condition for restoration. I read again. The condition is, if the wrongdoer is willing to see his errors, they are made plain when they are made plain by the convicting spirit of God and in humility that wrongdoer confesses then he can be restored as for forgiveness we have read that when God forgives us is if we choose to forgive others two of them have conditions but mercy has no conditions for God he says if we don't forgive he won't forgive us if we don't repent we cannot be restored just as we saw with Satan Satan was not restored because he did not repent but in the case of mercy, whether the person is wicked, evil, an enemy, unrepentant, repentant, or good, we are to be merciful. When we are yet in our sins, unrepentant and harboring an unforgiving spirit against people, mercy is still shown to us, all of us. The fact that the Lord shows mercy is no evidence of his acceptance of our works. God being merciful to the unjust and to the wicked and to the evil does not mean that he's going to reward them with a place in his kingdom. This is the character of God we are to copy. We read in our devotion today, mercy implies the imperfection of the object upon which it is bestowed. Because of man's imperfection, mercy was brought into active existence. Sin is not the object of God's love, but of his hatred, yet he pities the sinner because the guilty one bears the creator's image and has received from him the capabilities that make it possible for him to become a son of God. So, what does this mean? It is something that all humans should identify with, that is mercy, especially those who believe that Jesus has shown them mercy. The one who has received mercy should above all others be the one who should also show mercy to others. God has never offended any man, but sadly, it is the case that he who has never needed any man's mercy, that is God, is more merciful than man who is constantly dependent on God's mercy for his existence. It's very sad that that's the case. If anyone needs to be the most merciful, it is us. The opposite of this will be to be condemnatory. When Jesus says to you, judge not that you be not judged, because with what judgment you judge, it shall be measured to you. So that is why it is unbecoming for we who are constantly dependent on mercy to be judgmental. 
in case maybe you didn't get the drift. Mercy, like we read in Luke 6, it is not conditional to be shown to only the good. Love your enemies, says the word, says Jesus. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Do good to them that hate you. This is what it means to show mercy because they are undeserving of your love. They are undeserving of the good things you do to them. They are undeserving of your blessings and your prayers. But yet you do it nevertheless. Not because they are righteous, not because they have asked for forgiveness, not because they have confessed and they are repentant, but even while they are still evil. Look at the world around you. We see God blessing even the wicked. He makes the sun to rise for the wicked. He gives them water to drink, food to eat. He prospers them in their business. What is God doing? He is being merciful. That does not mean that he is going to allow them to enter into his kingdom. He loves the sinner, he hates the sin, and he is being merciful. And that is the character we are to copy. Mercy is shown strictly to those who have erred. And in our human relationships, people may wrong you, or may wrong God, and that's one part where sometimes we can be really, really terrible. Somebody is committing a sin, and the sin they are committing doesn't doesn't directly affect you. It's probably between them and God. Some people are very, very unforgiving. God, who is the person that is directly affected by every single sin that is committed, he is the one that is being offended, yet he can be merciful, yet he can be forgiven. Man who is not always directly affected but sometimes indirectly affected he is the one that is unforgiving today we are to learn this character of god to be merciful to sinners not just merciful to good people but to sinners i'm reading now from ministry of healing page 163 and 164 to explain this further it says compassion for the guilty how little do we enter into sympathy with christ on that which should be the strongest bond of union between us and him compassion for depraved guilty suffering souls dead in trespasses and sins it is a delicate matter to deal with minds only he who reads the heart knows how to bring men to repentance only his wisdom can give us success in reaching the lost you may stand up stiffly feeling i am holier than thou and it matters not how correct your reasoning or how true your words they will never touch hearts the love of Christ, manifested in word and act, will win its way to the soul, when the reiteration of precept or argument would accomplish nothing. We need more of Christ-like sympathy, not merely sympathy for those who appear to us to be faultless, but sympathy for poor, suffering, struggling souls who are often overtaken in fault, sinning and repenting, tempted and discouraged. We are to go to our fellow men, touched like our merciful high priest, with the feeling of their infirmities. End of quote. You see, this is mercy. For if all people were not sinful, there will be no need of mercy. Especially at those who feel like they have their lives all pure and holy, in danger of being unmerciful. Because they cannot understand the strong temptations people pass through, they may stand stiffly saying, I am holier than thou. But we are all sinners. And if there is one point in which we are to, be, to have the strongest bond of union with Jesus and with one another, it is in this matter of mercy. Parents, you have to be merciful to your children. If you are a parent who has a child who has disgraced you, for example, it could be because of a failure, maybe to graduate when they were supposed to graduate, they failed, 
or they have been so wayward and wasteful like the prodigal son or they have stolen your funds again or robbed other people and brought shame upon you they've used your funds prodigally or they have lacked self-control sowing wild oats they may have impregnated someone or gotten pregnant themselves and they have put you to open shame some of them may have gone into internet fraud and robbery stealing and the story is everywhere your child has offended you has done wrong and is shameful to you they have dishonored your name and brought shame upon you i understand if i put myself in your shoes i know that it can be a very trying experience indeed it hurts but what you feel is exactly what god feels and even more deeply towards you when you sin against god you may say my sin is less than my son's own that is in your own estimation you may say to your child i was a virgin before i got married i never slept with any man why are you going around sleeping with people and then now you are pregnant you may say that but in the eyes of god he doesn't see it that way we are all sinners don't look at that child as if you are better than him and start to stand stiffly saying to the child i am holier than thou the Lord has a message for such parents. I'm reading now, Manuscript Releases, Volume 21, page 429, paragraph 1 and downward. It says, Your letters I have read with interest and sympathy. I will say, Your son now needs a father, as he has never needed one before. He has erred, you know it, and he knows that you know it. And words that you would have spoken to him in his innocency with safety and which would not have produced any bad results would now seem like unkindness and be sharp as a knife. I am a mother of boys and I know in this age when the enemy of God and his workmanship is seeking to destroy the youth under his hellish banner. He will make every effort to lead them into temptation and into sin. Then they become desperate and discouraged as this sin is kept ever before them. When our children fall into sin and everyone draws away from the misguided youth and would condemn him or her in an unsparing manner, should not the father and mother show a remarkable tenderness, not making sin appear the less grievous and abhorrent but helping the inexperienced youth to recover himself? Should not your son, who has erred, be encouraged to consider that if he or she returns to his father confessing his sin? He will be freely and fully pardoned and his disgrace covered with your own pitying love. I know that parents feel very keenly the shame of the wrongdoing of a child that has dishonored them. But does the erring one wound and bruise the heart of the earthly parent any more than we as the children of God bruise our heavenly parent who has given us and is still giving us his love, inviting us to return and repent of our sins and iniquities? and he will pardon our transgression do not withdraw your love now that love and sympathy is needed now as never before when others look with coldness and put the worst construction upon the misdeeds of your boy should not the father and mother in pity and tenderness seek to guide his footsteps into safe paths i do not know the character of your son's sins but i am safe in saying whatever they may be let no comments from human lips no pressure from human actions who think they are doing justice lead you to pursue a cause which can be interpreted by your son that you feel too much mortified and dishonored to ever take him back into confidence and to forget his transgressions let nothing cause you to lose hope nothing to cut off your love and tenderness for the erring one 
Just because he is erring, he needs you and he wants a father and a mother to help him to recover himself from the snare of Satan. Hold him fast by faith and love and cling to the all-pitying Redeemer remembering that he has one who has an interest in him even above your own. Jesus died to redeem him. He is the purchase of the blood of Christ. His soul is of value with God. If you can turn a sinner from the error of his ways, you have saved the soul from death. I know that many parents are in danger through the shame and disappointment brought upon them by one of their children to treat the erring one with greater severity than they would one who is not related to them, because then our heart has been bruised and wounded. But without Christ, we are all liable to go astray to do those things grievous in his sight, and this should make us kind and forgiving. Justice has a twin sister that should ever stand by her side, which is mercy and love. I again say to you, take this erring one to your heart of love, just as Christ takes his erring one to his heart of infinite love. My brother and sister, let us be like Jesus, throw around your son the atmosphere of tenderness, now manifest your affection and for you and your forgiveness and this will do for him just what it will do for you break down every barrier and melt your heart of stone hold your son in faith grieved and disappointed and dishonored as you may feel save him save him save him from ruin he needs you now father and mother i know you will not give him up to his deadly foe do not talk discouragement and hopelessness. Talk courage. Tell him he can redeem himself, that you, his father and mother, will help him to take hold from above, to plant his feet on the solid rock, Christ Jesus, to find a sure support and unfailing strength in Jesus. If his fault ever be so grievous, it will not cure your son to press this constantly upon him. A right course of action is needed to save a soul from death and keep a soul from committing a multitude of sins. In your humiliation, do not forget that Jesus knows it all, that his love is deep and unchangeable, that he pities our woes, he carries our sorrows. He is our helper in whom we may trust. Amen. Need I say more? I don't think I need to add more to this. If you are a parent who is passing through that stage now, wondering whether you should show your child mercy, you are struggling with the shame and dishonor your child has brought to you. Whatever the sin is, that was for you. Show mercy. You see, there are certain things God never denies even the wicked. This is what it means to be merciful. Yes, there is need for wise denial when sometimes people have erred in your love. Not because you hate, but in your love when you see someone's weakness and you know that it's not good to give them this or that, you may deny them some things basic needs nevertheless are to be supplied and that's what it means when god says he allows the sun to shine both on the wicked and on the just and on the evil and on the unjust because these are basic necessities water to drink the sun to shine clothes to wear and even beyond the basic necessities god still blesses the wicked and that's what it means to be merciful and the word of god commands us to be merciful if there is one thing we need in order to be merciful, it is the ability to discern penitence quickly. In the Faith I Live by, page 98, paragraph 9, and in other, we've also read it in previous devotions, it says there, Men hate the sinner while they love the sin. Christ hates the sin but loves the sinner. 
This will be the spirit of all who follow him. Christian love is slow to censure, quick to descend penitence, ready to forgive, to encourage, to set the wanderer in the path of holiness and to stay his feet therein. End of quote. I'm reading again Signs of the Times, Signs of the Times, May 21, 1902, paragraph 7. The attributes of mercy and love are nearly lost from the hearts of many, many members of the church. We should remember that all make mistakes, even men and women who have had years of experience sometimes err, but God does not cast them off because of their errors. To every erring son and daughter of Adam, he gives the privilege of another trial. The true follower of Jesus manifests a Christ-like spirit towards his erring brother. Instead of speaking in condemnation, he remembers the words, He which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. End of quote. So this is the character and the path that we are to pursue consistently if we must be seen as those who are merciful. The opposite of mercy towards sinners is cruelty towards sinners. And this cruelty is shown in us doing the exact opposite of what we have been studying so far, which is giving the person a second chance, not talking about the matter. Let me be very specific. When we were reading about that child and the parent, it's very important that when you know somebody has erred, do not bring up the issue over and over again. Because you send the message that you have, they have hurt you so much that you cannot forgive. Be careful not to send that kind of message to someone. But even worse than that, that is mentioning the issue to the person over and over again, there is the cruelty because that's the opposite of mercy, cruelty. And that's not what we should be. What does the Lord of the Word of God say? Proverbs 11 verse 17, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. So what is the opposite of mercy here? Cruelty. Proverbs 12 verse 10, The righteous man regarded the life of his beast, of the beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. There are some people whose tender mercies are cruel. In their bid to show mercy, the best merciful thing they can do is still deep cruelty that hurts people. In these two passages we read, we see that the opposite of mercy is cruelty. And cruelty means to treat someone inhumanely. Reading from Testimonies on Sexual Behavior, page 261, paragraph 4, it says, The inhumanity of man towards man is our greatest sin. And what is this inhumanity? Let me go on. It says, Many think they are representing the justice of God while they wholly fail of representing His tenderness and His great love. Often, the ones whom they meet with sternness and severity are under the stress of temptation. Satan is wrestling with these souls and harsh, unsympathetic words discourage them and cause them to fall a prey to the tempter's power. End of quote. So when a brother has fallen, that is not a time for harsh, unsympathetic words. It is cruelty for you, first of all, to even be repeating the issue to the person. Then how much more when you go beyond to do that to others, repeating the matters to others? We should be merciful when a brother falls. And we will look at some of the things that we may do that shows a lack of mercy, thereby learning what we should do that is merciful. I'm about to read some things now that concerns a certain man called Professor Bell. Professor Bell was a teacher in the first in a school and he was a very good man. He made some mistakes in the way he trains the children by being quite severe with them. Not that he did any great evil, 
but just that he was quite severe with the children because of love he was trying to correct them but many people ganged up against him and they were cruel towards him i want to read some words that were written to those who were cruel to him to the point that he was driven away from the school reading from pamphlet 117 page 31 paragraph 1 and downward i'll just be skipping i'll be mentioning the pages read this was written to the the, the staff of the school who thought that they were being merciful but what they were calling mercy was great cruelty satanic behavior and i want to read what the spirit of prophecy said concerning these people it says those who have not who have not the peculiar trials to which another is subjected may flatter themselves that they are better than he but place them in the same furnace of trial and they might not enjoy it nearly as well as the one they censure and misjudge how little can we can know of the heart anguish of another how few understand another's circumstances. Hence, the difficulty of giving wise counsel. What may appear to us to be appropriate may in reality be quite the reverse. In page 33, paragraph 2, it says, Envy has been cherished in the hearts of some in the church as well as in the college. God is displeased at your cause. I entreat you, for Christ's sake, never treat another as you have treated Brother Bell. A noble nature does not, does not exalt in causing others pain or delight in discovering their deficiencies. A disciple of Christ will turn away with loathing from the feast of scandal. Some who have been active on this occasion are repeating the course pursued towards one of the Lord's servants in affliction, one who has sacrificed health and strength in their service. When David had sinned, God granted him choice to receive his punishment from God or from the hands of men. The repentant king chose to fall into the hand of God. The tender mercies of the wicked are cruel, erring sinful man who can himself be kept in the right path only by the power of God is yet hard-hearted, unforgiving towards his erring brother. The tongue that delights in mischief, the babbling tongue that says report and I will report it, is declared by the apostle James to be set on the fire of hell. It scatters fire brands on every side. What cares the vendor of gossip that he defames the innocent? He will not do his evil work. Though he destroy hope and courage in those who are already sinking under their burdens, he cares only to indulge in his scandal-loving propensity. Even professed Christians close their eyes to all that is pure, honest, noble, and lovely, and treasure up whatever is objectionable and disagreeable and publish it to the world. Let me stop. I'll continue the reading. So far, what we are seeing here, cruelty and a lack of mercy is shown by one digging up information. That's what we read before. Delighting in discovering, not in it coming to meet you, but this man, Professor Bell, was so followed and they were asking people just so that they can find deficiencies in his life, to discover one problem or the other so that they can bring it in his face. That was great cruelty. That is one thing. Then secondly, scandal-loving propensity. When you are waiting to hear a scandal about Brother Bell in this case or about anyone, you are not being merciful. This is not the cause to be pursued by God's people. I continue the reading now. Page 34, paragraph 2, it says, You have yourselves thrown open the doors for Satan to come in. You have given him an honored place at your investigation or inquisition meetings. But you have shown no respect for the excellencies of a character established established by years of faithfulness. Jealous, revengeful tongues have colored acts and motives to suit their own ideas. 
They have made black appear white and white black. When remonstrated with their statements, some have said, it is true. Admitting that the fact stated is true does not justify your course. No, no. You know, let me stop. There are some people who think that because whatever they have found about someone when they have dug up things, because it is true, and then when they speak about it to others, they feel they are justified because it is true. That is what the spirit of prophecy is saying here. When these people were remonstrated for their statements, their defense was, but what I was saying is true. But what is the answer? No, no. If God, hear this now, everyone. If God should take all the accusations that might in truth be brought against you and should braid them into a scourge to punish you, your wounds will be more and deeper than those which you have inflicted on Brother Bell. Even facts may be so stated as to convey a false impression. You have no right to gather up every report against him and use them to ruin his reputation and destroy his usefulness. Should the Lord manifest towards you the same spirit which you have manifested towards your brother, you would be destroyed without what? Mercy. Have you no compunctions of conscience? I fear not. The time has not yet come for this satanic spell to lose its power. Your cause has caused Brother Baal the keenest suffering, and many are exulting in their cruel work. In this, they are in harmony with the great adversary of souls. Satan triumphs whenever he can by a malicious, cruel act wound a servant of God. If you would have patience with your neighbor's faults, cast your eyes upon your own. So do you want to be patient with people and be merciful? Remember your faults, that's what he's saying. Do you, desire, do you desire others to treat your errors and mistakes as you have treated those of Brother Bell? Oh, that you would judge yourselves as severely and critically as you judge him. So, then again, there was another thing they did, which is digging up his past. And that was cruelty. And the spirit of prophecy had something to say about that because it was not merciful of them. In page 28, paragraph 1, he said, Whatever may be Brother Bell's faults, your cause is unjustifiable and unchristian. You have gone back over his history for years and have searched out everything that was unfavorable, every shadow of evil, and have made him an offender for a word. You have brought all the powers you could command to sustain yourselves in your cause as accusers. Remember, God will deal in the same manner with every one of you. With what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Those who have taken part in this disgraceful proceeding will meet their work again. What influence do you think your course will have upon the students who have ever been impatient of restraint? How will these things affect their character and their life history? Those who will pass judgment upon another's motives... I'm reading page 35, paragraph 2 now. Those who would pass judgment upon another's motives or make public what has been spoken to them in confidence show the evil that exists in their own hearts. Let me stop so that it will sink in. Let me not go so that you don't miss the lesson. Because this part now really touched me when I read it. How many of us consider it to be sin that when somebody tells you something that is unmerciful for you, that somebody confided in you, and you betrayed the person's confidence. Or you know somebody who another person confided in and was complicit in making the person to betray the confidence of his brother. 
That is what is being addressed here. So let me read it again. It says, Those who will pass judgment upon another's motives or make public what has been spoken to them in confidence show the evil that exists in their own hearts. That's the first one, when you betray confidence. The second one is when you make others betray. It says, In drawing out testimonies from students and leading them to betray Brother Bell's confidence, you have shown what you would do to Christ. You have wronged and insulted your Savior in the person of his servant. I don't need to say more about this. I think the message is clear. Many of us have made mistakes I do not exempt myself. Whether it is in betraying people's confidence, in causing others to betray others' confidence, in digging up people's history to use it against them, in also having the scandal-loving propensity. I'm not even excusing myself. This is a lesson for us, an attribute that we may share. God does not do this to anybody. Psalms 79 verse 8 to 10 says, Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. What did we read now? People were going back to Brother Bell's history, digging it up. Then they were finding things that were unfavorable, every shadow of evil in his life, and were making him an offender for a word. But yet we pray to the Lord, Psalm 79 verse 8, Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low. Be sure that if you do not do this to another person, if you are digging up people's past and using it against them, you are not being merciful. So if you ask God to show mercy to you, how do you expect him to do that? You see, in Proverbs 25 verse 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. You see, we cannot make that prayer in Psalm 79 verse 8 and yet delight in exposing the faults of others. It's unmerciful to do that. For those who are falling into sin and are aware of it, disappointed with yourself, in hatred for yourself and almost ready or afraid that the Lord has had the last straw and is ready to destroy you, you can plead the Lord's mercies. Remember that God is merciful. Keeping mercy for thousands, you are among the thousands. Don't entertain the thought that the Lord will destroy you because of one sin or the other that you have committed. Reading from Psalms 40 verse 11 to 17, this is what the Lord can do for us. We can make this prayer and God will hear. It says, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let all those who seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Amen. If we make this prayer, the Lord will hear this prayer made from a sincere heart. But will you remember to do the same for others, to give mercy to others? Let us not be hard-hearted. Let us be softened by the mercy that we have ourselves been partakers of and therefore show mercy to others. 
In conclusion, I read pamphlet 89, page 16, paragraph 2 and 3. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was the love of God that gave Christ to the world, that he might draw all men unto himself. It is for this end that the Spirit is striving with human hearts, that their hardness may be melted away, that they may be purified, ennobled, refined. God would have us of the same mind as was Christ, that we may be fitted for the eternal life and be the sons and daughters of God. When men in connection with the work of God manifest severity, hardness of heart, showing lack of sympathy and love, they make it evident that Satan is molding them after his own order. The living of unrighteousness is working in them, and the loss of souls will result from their unchristian cause. My brethren, all this coldness, this hardness of heart, must be put away. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, let all the coldness and hardness of heart be put away by your grace in our lives, O Lord. As we have gone through this, I am sure that many are searching their hearts and realizing the cruelty of our souls. We are not sharing this attribute with you, even though the devotion says an attribute, we may share. But the fact is that many times we don't share the attribute of mercy with you. We are more exacting, more hard and wicked even though we are sinful, depending on your mercy, yet we don't give mercy to others. Lord, today, as we realize our sins, we ask for forgiveness. Have mercy upon us, cleanse us of all iniquity, and forgive us our sins. And help us now to know how to show mercy to the erring, as you have shown to us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org That is www.tawsv.org or contact info at tawas.org